When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There was like this scene where I was running and there was two or three like creature actors. And I remember walking and you saw it on camera too. And I was like, oh, and I just geeked out. And then he called, obviously he called cut and he's like, can we not be so surprised? And I go, no, I know, but can you warn me? <laughs> can you show me pictures before? This is so, this is so amazing. This is so freaking cool. Hello and welcome to A Galaxy Far, Far Away. My name is Devin Kogan. I am your co-host of Entertainment Weekly's Dagobah Dispatch. And we have a really exciting episode for you this week. Uh, we are not joined by our usual co-host, uh, Dalton Ross. He is off uh, helping the rebellion in secret ways. But as usual, I am here with uh, my brilliant co-host who is here to, she has an interesting dispatch from, not from Dagobah, but from somewhere else, uh, Lauren Morgan. Lauren, how's it going? Hello, Devin. How are you doing? I was on a secret mission last week uh, while you guys were bad-mouthing Return of the Jedi. Um, Well, at least some of you were. So, you know, I'll get Darren in the end. Um, But I was, delightfully, I was invited to a press availability on the Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, So I've spent the last uh, week really in a galaxy far, far away, or at least imagining that I was. So that was pretty exciting. I am so insanely jealous, as I know Dalton is too, and I have like about a billion questions for you. But I <laughs> like tell me, tell me everything about it. Like, did it like just tell me? Okay, so just walk me through everything about that because I have been, you know, kind of tracking, you know, all of this, this, you know, Star Cruiser stuff and just reading about it and being like, wow, that sounds incredible. But, but tell me, like, did it live up to the crazy hype? You know, it was funny because it this all came together very last minute. Like there was a week between like, because uh, actually Dalton was invited to go, but Dalton couldn't go. So sorry for you, Dalton. But and, <laughs> and so he I just happened to be going on vacation. I was supposed to go on a beach vacation with my parents. And Dalton like called me like uh, the Monday before I left. And he's just like, uh, would you be interested in going to the Galactic Star Cruise? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, next week. And I'm like, that's kind of sudden. So uh my uh my fashions were not uh as well planned as they could be for the attempt but it was a really uh it was a really exciting opportunity and i was glad to go on it because it wound up being super fun and it, you know i was really curious at myself about the whole thing so i was curious how it was going to be but i was just like I, I didn't think i was going to get the opportunity to go so it was really kind of a, a great way to blow out the end of the summer i was gonna say i mean it's kind of a bummer to miss the beach vacation but i think you know a yeah. trip to literally another galaxy is you know worth the crazily enough we fit we we fit in like two days of it like we went saturday and sunday and i spent two days with my parents we went down to the beach and then monday we flew to orlando and then tuesday we boarded the uh star cruiser because they like to have you there the day before the star cruiser boards they don't want you flying in the day of and then you basically you kind of board on a tuesday afternoon you spend tuesday you know tuesday evening exploring the ship eating lots of crazy great star wars themed food and then you get to go to like Galaxy's Edge on Wednesday. And then there's a bunch of other stuff that happens Wednesday night. It's like this crazy two days experience where it feels like you've kind of gotten shot out into the blast doors and you're just like on this like crazy adventure for two days. And then uh, you come back to your real life and you have to do the laundry and all that sort of fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's my biggest question is, you know, they've sort of built mm-hmm. this as being a totally immersive experience where it really, you know, like from from start to finish, like everything about it feels like so curated, and like mm-hmm. very much suspension of disbelief. And, you know, like you're stepping into this, this, you know, whole other world. What were some of the things that they did to sort of like make it feel like you were literally on um, in floating in space? 
Well, it's funny. So you basically arrive um, to the Star Cruiser, which is located pretty much near Disney Hollywood Studios. And there's a reason for that, uh, which we'll get into. Um, and you kind of go in and you, you, you're you like, I have to say the customer service on this experience was amazing. Like you're greeted as soon as you arrive, they like they check you in and then you're taken inside the building for your launch. So you basically kind of go in, you want like kind of watch a short video and then you go on to uh, like this little pod that sort of launches you to the star cruiser um and it's like the theming of the whole thing is really fun um you know i had my seven-year-old daughter with me and my 14-year-old niece so i kind of got to see it how it was working from a wide age range um and so like my daughter like thought this was like the coolest thing in the world so it's like you you basically go into the launch pad uh and the, the launch and then you arrive into the atrium of the Galactic Star Cruiser. It's, the ship is called the Halcyon. If, you know, we were talking about it on the Princess and the Scoundrel, this is the same ship that's in that, in that. And it's also on the uh, Star Wars Summer Vacation Special. They've been, there's been a lot of cross-branding going on with the ship. That's amazing. So you arrive, someone greets you, they take you to your cabin. The cabins are super cool. There's no windows in the cabin. So if you have people who it's hard to get them up in the morning, you're going to have a bit of a challenge trying to wake up. <laughs> I had a teenager who I'm not used to normally used to waking up. So that was kind of a challenge getting a teenager up in the morning without the assistance of natural light. But like you basically you go into the cabins and there are these viewports. They kind of act like the windows, but like they change throughout the trip. You know, sometimes you're seeing like just the stars going by. Sometimes you're seeing various planets. Sometimes you're seeing ships go by. That's like super really, really cool. And then uh, in our cabin, there was a queen size bed and then like kind of like two bunk beds built into the wall. My daughter scampered up into the top bunk. My niece took the bottom and like they're like super cool. I'm going to write a, a full report about this for EW.com. I'm going to put photos in this so you'll be able to see. And also, I think our social team is also going to be uh, releasing some of the photos that I took. But like the cabin's like really kind of interestingly themed. You really do feel like you are in a space cabin. Like they have those kind of like Star Wars doors. They give you magic bands. You don't even need a key. You just put your magic band up to your door and it unlocks your door and you kind of pull it open. And, you know, there's like bathrooms and like we were greeted. There was like food, uh, like they had chips and all sorts of stuff and bottles of water and things like that. And um, the coolest thing about the cabins themselves are you could call on D3, who was the droid that was also in The Princess and the Scoundrel. And you can have like a full interactive conversation with this droid D3. And she could sort of like give you hints about things that are going on on the ship that you might want to check out. And also at night, she will tell you like a bedtime story, basically about like New Hope. But it's interesting because she tells the story simply from the brave perspective of R2-D2. So Luke Skywalker <laughs> is um, is basically referred to as the moisture farmer. And but like it's all it's basically just told entirely from the heroic perspective of R2-D2, which was really hilarious. And then there's like the thing where you um, once you get check into your cabin, you come back down to the atrium. Um, they have this thing called the data pad orientation, which is like uh, everyone who is on your trip needs to have like a play Disney account. And then all of your message will come through the Star Wars data pad and you'll start interacting with the data pad and that will kind of start sending you on missions. You know, they'll ask you about whether you're believing the light side or the dark side. And that's like kind of how you start your path, like your adventure on the Star Cruiser is through this whole entire app, which was pretty fun. And you can definitely sort of see like, if you want to go on the dark side, you can do that. If you want to try, you know, I kind of was like somehow Jedi resistance helper kind of thing. I kind of wound up in between sort of a couple of different categories. So that was fun. And there's like kind of a, a cast and crew that there's like in the atrium, they have like general sort of meetings with everyone. So you can kind of see what the big plot line is going on. But there's also a lot of like tiny side missions, depending on what you're doing on the ship that kind of affect your adventure. So that was pretty fun. That's so cool. and. Yeah, because I think a lot of times when you think about like, you know, going on, you know, big trips or things like that, you know, it, it's so much about the space, but the idea that it's like so curated and, mm -hmm. you know, the idea that you like start these missions. So like, tell us about like, what'd you do? What what were the, the missions? So basically, you know, there's the captain on the ship. There is like, there's this whole sort of cast and crew of people. And there's a storyline. I don't want to get too far into the storyline in case people go on this. But basically, totally. it is a sort of resistance, first order themed storyline that's going on. And you basically can either be 
aiding the resistance or aiding the first order. Why would you want to do that? Um, (laughs) But there's also like some Jedi involvement. So there's like a a lot of different ways that you can kind of approach the adventure. I don't know how it works very well if you're not tech savvy, I think, but you like to talk to people. I think you could probably get just as involved in the story. But, you know, there is like that one component that you do need your phone and you need to be checking your phone because you're getting messages and things like that. Um, but I do know there was a lot of people just up and talking to the various like cast members. They had a um, galactic celebrity named Gaia who we had to go and pick up from her ice spa and bring her to the ship. And then she performed during the dinner services. But Gaia had some kind of, you know, she was doing some stuff in the background for the resistance. So, And then that whole entire adventure also was affected by what you were doing on the trip to Batu and Galaxy's Edge and stuff like that. So it's like you could get really deeply involved in it, or you could kind of just sit back and kind of watch. Um, the one thing is like, since I did have a small kid, sometimes we were sort of playing together because it's like you can wind up on completely different paths. Um, but like my niece and my uh, my daughter were sort of playing on the same account so they could kind of do it together. But sometimes my niece would just kind of go off and be like, I got a mission to do. I got to go to the engineering room. And the engineering room it has like all sorts of like different pulleys and things you can do. And like, you have to like clear panels and all sorts of like different little puzzles you have to figure out to get all the lights going on and like, you know, the ship going off. And I noticed that this was where all the kids love to play because this was basically like the interior playground of the Halcyon. But a lot of stuff went on in the engineering room. There was all sorts of like events going on. There was like a cargo room where you had to scan stuff. And I, I was in the cargo room like illegally because you had to unlock it. And I couldn't unlock it, but I managed to get in at one point. And then I got kicked out by um, some First Order troopers, which was pretty funny. So <laughs> kind of like, you know, <laughs> it's basically like there were First Order troopers patrolling the whole time. And so sometimes they would come up and be like, what are you doing in here? And you're like, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, you know, and all sorts of stuff like that. And there was a brig as well that they, uh, you know, you could be thrown in. And also the brig had like a secret passage into the engineering room. So, you know, for kids, they had like a ton of fun on it. Oh, that sounds so magical. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you mentioned, you know, having some of the meals and stuff. How was the food? The food was really interesting. So most of the um, food experiences were in the crown of Corellia dining room, which is like you would have your breakfast, your lunch and your dinner in there. And it's basically all you could eat as much as you wanted to try as much as you didn't want to try. There were some foods that would be identifiable to uh, small children, things like chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese, but with more creative names. But then there was like, if you really wanted to go out and try as much weird Star Wars food as you could, you could. There was like a lot of stuff that was made out of like bantha milk. There were like bantha milk desserts, which were bright purple. You could oh, drink wow. as much, yeah, as much blue and green milk as you want. And so I finally got to try both blue and green milk. I am a green milk partisan. The the blue milk was a little too fruity for me. I don't know. Have you tried both? Uh, I have. I also I also lean towards the green milk. I think, but you know, just for the aesthetic of the blue milk, because you you gotta you know for do yeah, it for Amparo. It was a very interesting because like I finally tasted them and I don't know if I was like expecting more like a vanilla or like, you know, like you're drinking oat milk or something like that, but they were definitely unusual <laughs> flavors. So I was like a little bit taken aback, but I did have a frozen green milk when I was on bet too. And then I had a non-alcoholic drink that had like frozen blue milk sorbet. And when it was frozen, I liked the blue milk. When it was just like regular milk consistency, I was like, this is an interesting taste sensation. But yeah, like the food was really good. They were like super accommodating towards what um you wanted to eat. They had these like grilled cheeses that looked like they were like made in a bubble maker somehow. Like they were really like crispy and like and good. And then they had like really excellent fish and all sorts of stuff. Everything had like super creative names. So sometimes you're like, what exactly is that? And I don't eat meat except for fish. So I was just like, does that have meat in it? Can I eat that? I'm not sure. <laughs> there were sometimes when my husband who does eat meat, I was like, eat this. Tell me, can I eat this? He's like, no, I think there's beef in this. You can't eat this. But like, you know, they were, you know, but they were super accommodating if you had a picky eater, which I did, who was not, you know, I would offer my daughter up some of the more exotic things and she'd look at it and she'd be like, I'm not eating that. And I'm like, okay, good. So, you know, 
They did. They did serve milk and cookies at one point. So I do think one of her dinners was mostly cookies one night. But whatever. She's. I mean, that's fair. You're on vacation. You're in space. You know, who's to say that they're not special space cookies that have all the nutrients you need? (laughs) But most of the food was really interesting, and I like I you know, and you could eat as much as you want. So I did, and. But, you know, I, I tried, like, you know, the breakfasts were interesting. It was, all, like, a lot of blue milk variety. I had, like, blue milk yogurt, which was interesting, and a bunch of different other kind of wild experiences. I'm going to put more photos of it um, when I write about it because just the artistry of it was pretty amazing as well. It wasn't just, like, amusement park food. Like, they really did take their time to create an interesting culinary experience on the ship. That's so impressive. Because yeah, I've been to, to Galaxy's Edge um, at Disneyland. And, um, you know, it's it sort of sounds like that on, on a much smaller scale where yeah. it's, you know, basically like everything is so in world, everything is so, you know, immersive, even like the Coke bottles are, you know, oh, yeah. labeled with uh, Arbesh. Exactly. That's the thing that always impresses me the most about about Disney is like I I'm not like a huge like Disneyland Disney World person, but I do really like it. And just the attention to detail is always the thing that just gets me like the little mm-hmm. details were there any like little details that really like delighted you or, or surprised you oh this is really funny because when i was illegally in the cargo uh hold they had like cabinets that were just filled with stuff and like sometimes it looked like uniforms and this sort of stuff but there was this one photo and i did take a photo of it and there was actually a, like a picture of an id when you looked at the id it was george lucas so i thought that oh was really funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know that was great. And like just, yeah, that theming overall. And like that thing is when you were looking at the details, you would discover there were things that you needed to on your data pad. You could scan things. You could analyze things. You could translate stuff. And so you would find stuff that would be like a little like scan code and you would scan it and you're like, oh, this is, you know, something important. This is like a pair of jewels that you need to deliver to someone on Batu or something like that. So the more you were like digging deep into the ship and like looking around and scanning stuff, the more you were finding you know, uh, you know, and you would just look at a plaque on the wall and it would just have like, uh, you know, sayings and like Arabesh. And then you realize like later on you're supposed to input them somewhere else and that would unlock something for it. So it was like a whole like big, it's funny because like since I'd been playing Lego Star Wars so much to bring that up again, <laughs> it did kind of like, it did kind of get me like, I was like, oh, it's kind of like just playing like live action Lego Star Wars because I'm just unlocking all of these puzzles that, you know, I had been doing in Lego Star Wars. So it was kind of fun that way. So, Wait, that's, that's the dream. Fun. As, as yeah, listeners of this podcast know, you and I are huge fans of the yeah, recent Lego Star know, Wars game. That's true. So it was just really funny that way. So, you know, just talking about like the trip to Batu, like I had never been to Galaxy's Edge before. So that was really exciting. Um, you know, and it was like kind of like the, the most ultimate way to go to Galaxy's Edge. because I can imagine. You, yeah, because like the, the, the day after you board that morning, they have like this little shuttle that's supposed to be a shuttle going down to Batu, and that takes you into like the back way of the Black Spire outpost. So you oh, don't no have way. to go through like Disney Hollywood Studios, like the front entrance and stuff. Like you go literally into the Black Spire outpost. So you, you know, don't have to break, you, you don't have to break the, the, the illusion at all. And so you can like, go there and they give you like lightning lane passes to, um, rise of the resistance at smugglers run so you don't have to like wait in line or worry about right like you know we we went to rise of the resistance first off because i know sometimes it breaks and i was just like i'm getting on this ride so we did rise <laughs> of the resistance and we managed to do smugglers run twice because we were there so early that smugglers run just didn't have like much of a standby line and then later on we rode it again with our lightning lane passes which was fun because then we could like the first time um my niece and i we were like the gunners and my husband and my daughter were the pilots. And like the pilots kind of more like the, the best part of a smuggler's run. So we got to do it a second time and we got to do it as the pilot. I don't think I'm a very good pilot, but like I think, <laughs> you know, Hondo was pretty mad at me by the end of it. But whatever, Hondo can can deal with it. <laughs> um, so that was like, that was really fun. Um, you know, we had like a reservation for like Oga's Cantina, but we didn't wind up drinking. And they were kind of just kind of walked around and looked at it real quick. Because um, the youngest member of our party was having a little bit of an issue about not being able to build a droid at the droid depot. So she didn't want to be in the cantina at the time. And I was like, all right, we'll leave. <laughs> the perils of traveling with children. Yes, the perils of traveling with children is sometimes the children take up your heart. You know, you're like, <laughs> I'd like to do this. All right, I'm going to go take her to Toy Story Land for a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was like really, it was really fun. There's a couple of things like 
I was going to buy a Holocron and Doc Gondars and I did it. And now I really regret not buying the Holocron. <laughs> so it's like kind of like silly stuff like that. Going through the shops and stuff were really fun too. Cause it's like everything is like, like all the toys that are built for like, you know, like you would be playing with them in world and all like, it was just like kind of a really like great, well-themed uh, experience. I thought. That's the thing that's so magical is, you know, I think about, if I was like seven years old and got oh, to go yeah. to Galaxy's Edge or like got to do the Star the Star Cruiser or something, I would have lost my mind. Like <laughs> yeah, if anything so like I existed would've. like that. And like how cool is it that that stuff like that, you know, like exists, you know, especially for I don't know about you, but I was like a super imaginative kid and like loved mm-hmm. playing, you know, games like that and, and like, you know, basically like anything like immersive play pretend is is a hundred percent my jam. So like I just every time I go to to Galaxy's Edge in in Disneyland, I'm always just like I. You feel like a little bit of a kid. Last time I was there, I I got to meet Kylo Ren, and I was like, ah. Uh, Kylo Ren confronted my daughter. It was funny because like within Star Cruiser, they um kind of bash Star Tours as like their competition, like their competing <laughs> company, which is funny. And we just like we just randomly went to Star Tours because there was like no line, and so we like we went there. They have like the super expensive lightsabers in, um, and they're beautifully made. We got to try hold them, and they were like in Doc Ondars. But I know how lightsabers are used in my house, and we weren't <laughs> going to spend one hundred and fifty dollars on one that was probably going to get broken. So we just took her to like that. You can build your own lightsaber for like thirty bucks. So she had sat there and like built her own lightsaber, and so we have a photo of her confronting Kylo Ren with her lightsaber. And Batuu Casey came up to her and she was just like holding it straight in his face, which was funny. And um, I know Kylo was coming around a lot. So I did not have a personal experience with Kylo. But I think both my my daughter and my niece uh, got up in his face a little bit, which good for them. So yeah, I I put my money on on your daughter, uh, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. I'm I am insanely jealous. I am trying to get Dalton to be like, hey, can we like, you know, let's 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 bring the whole pod. Let's let's we'll all do go. we'll do everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the one thing um about being on the Star Cruiser. And if people are afraid, like I'm like as much as we talk about Halloween on this, I'm not much of a cosplayer. So and also I had like a very limited amount of time to plan for this. Um, so I was basically like, my biggest planning was I threw a Star Wars t-shirt into my bag. Right. But there were some people who were fully costumed up. Like there was a, uh, an older gentleman who looked exactly like Alec Guinness in full Jedi costume. Wow. Uh, the whole entire time. There were multiple rays. There were, I think there were a bunch of Ahsokas. There was one woman who was wearing a drop dead gorgeous replica of Padme's dress from Attack of the Clones, like the rainbow one. I think it's the one that oh, she's wearing out yeah. in like out in the like the lake scene that's always in the memes. I was looking at that and I was like, I don't know if you made that, but that is impressive. But my favorite was there was one young mother who was like carrying around an eight month old. So this made this especially impressive, but was like wearing full like Twilight makeup with the head tails and it was like the most beautifully done makeup and it was funny because like she had like a little like baby carrier on and so her little like baby was hanging out in the back and was kind of looking around like what is going on here but like the commitment to also being like a like a relatively new mother and the full face paint and her husband was also like pretty decked out but not not as as much as she was so she was like definitely one of my favorites but, like every time she passed by we're like wow that makeup's really good so <laughs> She probably get up crazy early, just like with the 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 one hour while her baby's sleeping. The last night when the the de- like the deboarding process, I did finally see her without her makeup, uh, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, I guess if you're leaving, you don't you're not going to do that full makeup. But I was I was super impressed. It was really well done. If you're not like super like if you're a bit of an introvert, which I am, you're still going to have fun because like the people watching is pretty crazy. If you're an extrovert and you're a cosplayer, you're gonna have a lot of fun because um, there were just people who were like who are into it and did not have a seven year old to deal with, and so they were just there and they were having a party and you know and that kind of stuff. And you know, there's like a bunch of other stuff I didn't mention, like the lightsaber training yet. Like that oh, was super fun. Yeah. yeah, we there were two things. Like there were a couple of special things. Like there was a lot of optional stuff you could do, but there was some stuff that, that was like kind of like almost required, but it was the premium kind of experience. They had one which was lightsaber training, and that was a, a, like a ton of fun. They had someone, um, you know, like you went into this like special pod, and they all gave you like it looked like a functional lit lightsaber, which was nicer than any lightsaber I've ever touched in my entire life, since I mostly have plastic ones. 
And then you basically like were kind of training and they were showing you like the actual positions and talking about like the lightsaber forms. So if you're like a super like lightsaber nerd, you're going to have fun with this. And then they had like training remotes that you were like basically trying to block the lightsaber of fight. So you were doing like different positions. And I have a video and I think I might put in the article of my daughter doing it. And she was like doing like all sorts of wild things. And then what for a while she was doing it one handed. And so everyone in the group was just like cheering her on and it was super adorable. Mm-hmm. So that was like a, bl- that was like a blast to do. Like that was the one thing where I was like, once that was over, I was like, can we do this again? Cause this is like really fun. And I will just lightsaber train. I don't think I'm particularly great with a lightsaber. And I have like videos of my husband who was getting like super fancy and trying to do it behind his back um (laughs) so he was being a bit of a show off so that was super fun and then we had this other thing called the bridge training which is like you go into this room and it's like fully decked out and there's a bunch of different consoles and stuff like that and you go and you're doing like sometimes you're doing weapons sometimes you're doing like loading sometimes you're doing shields uh i preferred there was this one thing called systems which was basically like your panel was telling you you had to do a bunch of puzzles at the same time like putting on sort of lights in a certain pattern and my little lizard brain really enjoyed doing that so i did systems and like you had like a bridge training and then later on you had to go back on the bridge but it was a real emergency this time so my niece was in uh one of her bridge experiences where like the ship had gotten boarded by a certain uh, red sabered man. And so she thought that was really awesome. So that was like, it was super cool. That's the thing that sounds so magical about it is it's not just the the room or the location or the food or anything, but it really, it's, it does sound truly immersive. I, I love that it's actually, there's like a story to follow. Yeah, there is a story and it kind of like picks up slowly, but then the last night you're on the ship, the story really kicks into high gear. And like once you come back from Batu, and you can come back anytime from like 12 to like four. So if you really want to spend your whole entire day in Hollywood studios, you can go do that. Or if you just want to come back and just experience stuff on the ship, because there was like a bunch of stuff going on the ship. There was a droid racing thing that was really fun. And it made me regret not buying a droid uh, at the droid depot because those droids are fun. (laughs) And so, and there was a chopper droid that I saw and I was like, I've been regretting it ever since I didn't buy the damn chopper (laughs) droid. But so it was just funny. You could stay in Batuu for as long as you want and you could come back and do the various activities on the ship. And so like we were in the engineering room doing a porg hunt which was fun, which you're basically just finding, finding like stowaway porgs. Um, My dream. Which was pretty, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty fun. <laughs> but like that night as the whole entire, um, the story really kicks into high gear, like you're doing stuff in the lightsaber training room, you're doing stuff in the bridge. And then you all kind of wind up in the atrium and there's like a big confrontation that goes on. And so it's sort of just like, if you haven't done all the smaller missions, you're still going to experience the full storyline. But it is, I think, just more fun if you do get involved and pitch in and do as much as you can to like get to be a part of the mission because it's, you know, it's like a premium experience and that's the reason you're there. So commit to the bit, do as much as you can to like, you know, get involved and talk to people and even just the um, outside of the cast and uh, outside of the cast who are great and they would remember your name if you had talked to them. There was um, this uh, galactic superstar named Gaia who remembered my daughter's name. And so when she saw her again, she mentioned my daughter by name. And my daughter was like, oh, my God, she remembered me, <laughs> which was super cute. So I, I applaud their recall because I can't remember anyone's names. Obviously, there was a, a bar called the Sublight Lounge. And uh, Chris and Keely and the Sublight Lounge were very entertaining one night when we went in there and trying to learn to play Sabacc. And um, Chris was basically telling me I was had, had a very chaotic way of playing Sabacc because I had not kind of learned how to do it yet. So he's just he's like, he's like, I don't know if I can help you. You're just being pure chaos over here. Oh, that's amazing. I am mm-hmm. so insanely jealous. So like over <laughs> overall, yes, no, thumbs up, thumbs down. Definitely thumbs up. Like, you know, I was on a press experience. So I will admit that, you know, this was a press availability. Um, but you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, it's kind of a once in a lifetime experience. And, uh, you know, if you're really a Star Wars fan, and you, you know, you love the universe, and you want to explore, you're probably going to have a ton of fun. Ugh, I am so insanely jealous. Well, I'm I'm serious. I'm going to try to get Dalton to work. We're going to all three of us. <laughs> that was the one thing is when I was on it, I was thinking that like Dalton will because it's like I've, I've gone around with Dalton to like definitely things. And it's like I'm kind of an introvert and laid back and Dalton's much more extroverted. And I was like, Dalton <laughs> would be having a ball on this thing. Dalton would be up involved in every single plot that's going on in this ship. He would be right in the middle of everything. So I, I thought he would probably have really enjoyed it. So he would talk to literally everyone and, and be like, so what's your story? <laughs> I mean, I was kind of chasing after my seven year old. So part of it, but literally Dalton would have been involved in every single plot line on that ship. I'm pretty sure that I, I believe it. Well, 
Well, Dalton, I know you're listening, so let's let's make that happen. Let's let's go back, <laughs> and, and Lauren will show us the ropes and, and show yeah. us around. Well, I am so insanely jealous. You had an incredible week. I had a less exciting week, but I did get to do something really cool. That was pretty exciting. I saw. Uh, I saw. You can tell me about your your experience. Yeah. So this weekend was Labor Day weekend, and um, I got to go to the Hollywood Bowl here in Los Angeles to hear um, our boy John Williams conduct some some music that we know and love. Um, it was it was pretty pretty darn magical. You know, this year he turned 90. So it was his 90th birthday celebration. And I swear that's amazing. That man has more energy than most like (laughs) 25 year olds. I know Um, it was it was really magical. I know he's done this quite a bit. If you live in Los Angeles or in in Southern California, he's done several of these shows at the Hollywood Bowl where he um, conducts the LA Philharmonic and plays some of his best scores. But this one was really special. It was, you know, his 90th birthday celebration. It was all weekend. He did three nights and I've never gotten a chance to go. And as you know, from listening to this podcast, I am a huge John Williams nerd, um, a former (laughs) violinist myself who played a lot of his music when I was like 13 years old. So it was pretty darn cool. And the fun thing about it is, you know, it was a celebration of all of his music. So he played Harry Potter. He played the Olympics theme. He played, you know, Shin- Oh God, I forgot he did that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. You forget and you're like, oh yeah, John Williams has written every piece of music. Everything. Every, yeah. Everything. Um, he played, uh, you know, Schindler's List and some stuff, some of the stuff from Fiddler on the Roof. Did, did he do Superman? No. Which bummed me out because uh, I do love I do love yeah. Superman and no Jurassic Park. But that's the thing when you're John Williams, you have like ninety thousand things to yeah, pick from. Like I remember one time a couple of years ago, we were thinking about doing like a soundtrack battle or a theme battle, and we were just like, it's just going to be all John Williams in the end. We can't even do this. It's just going to be like John Williams competing against himself. It really is. I think he still holds the record for being the most Oscar nominated person, second only to Walt Disney. Yeah, like I can it's, see that. It's absolutely insane. And so he he played all of these these amazing things. Um, he had a guest conductor for the first half and then a little intermission that he came out and conducted for like a full hour, almost 90 minutes. It was amazing. But but the real highlight of it all and the reason a lot of people were there was for Star Wars. It, mm-hmm. it was pretty magical and you'll see, you can see videos and, and um, photos all over social media. But basically it's sort of a BYO lightsaber Everybody brings their own <laughs> lightsaber. Um, and like as you're walking into the Hollywood Bowl, there's all these like street vendors that you can just like buy a lightsaber for 10 bucks. Um, mm-hmm. because it's become this whole thing that when, you know, when it gets dark and, um, you know, everybody just like has their lightsaber and, and it's like you look out across, you know, the thousands of people in the Hollywood Bowl and they're all waving their lightsabers like they're at a, <laughs> you know, they're at Burning Man or something. That's so funny. But it's it was pretty, pretty magical. And so he played um, something he hasn't really played before. He played part of the, I believe it's from the Trench Run or, or one of the space battles, like just something, mm-hmm. just like a really cool short piece of music. Then he debuted the Obi-Wan Kenobi theme, which he wrote, um, which he also played at Star Wars Celebration. But that was really cool. And he told the story about how, which he's, he's told before about how, you know, when he was writing the original trilogy, he wrote a theme for pretty much all of the major characters. But he realized mm-hmm. he never wrote, got to write one for Obi-Wan. So when Kathleen Kennedy called him and was like, hey, we're making this Obi-Wan show. Do you want to do a theme? He's like, yeah, I've never written a theme for Obi-Wan. <laughs> sure. Let me let me see what I got. Well, might as well got that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he performed that. And then, of course, he performed, you know, the throne room main titles, you know, which is oh, always God, so yeah. iconic. And then, you know, he played a bunch of other stuff. And then for the encore, had to do the Imperial March arguably one of the most iconic pieces of music yeah. of all time. So it was like such a, a cool experience. And like as someone who, you know, and, and Lauren, I know you're the same way as like someone who loves pop culture and mm-hmm. John Williams is, he has his hand in pretty much all of the iconic franchises, everything you've ever yeah, loved. It's, abs- it's, abs- it's absurd how many like iconic franchises he's done the music for. It's, it's like completely kind absurd. of insane. I mean, like he played stuff from E.T. I mean, like it was, it was really, really amazing. I think he's like the soundtrack to my childhood because it's just so many different iconic things that it's just like him that's the thing and i mean how many other like iconic scores are are so hummable that you can you know play like you can just like sing a couple bars of um he he played part of uh obviously had to play indiana jones which is 
a total yes. bop. And he also debuted <laughs> some new stuff. He said he was just recording for the upcoming Indiana Jones movie. And he said um, that he had just finished like recording the score and the director, James Mangold, was like, why don't you play some of that at the Hollywood Bowl? And he's like, the movie doesn't come out for six months. Is that okay? And, he's, and the director was like, yeah, sure. So he, he debuted, <laughs> it's called Helena's Theme, which is the name of Phoebe Waller-Bridge's mm-hmm. character in the upcoming Indiana Jones, which is sort of Star Wars related, you know, solo star, yeah. uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. But um, it was pretty magical and and something that I, I it has been a bucket list thing for me for a really long time as somebody who really loves and admires John Williams. So to to be there with like a couple thousand screaming Star Wars fans all waving lightsabers was was kind of magical yeah that sounds that sounds amazing that sounds extremely iconic <laughs> like yeah, especially if you're a musician yourself because i am not musically inclined at all <laughs> well that was the annoying thing i went with our our longtime um friend and former ew colleague chancellor agard and i kept leaning over to him <laughs> the whole time being like i know how to play this one i taught myself how to play this one i, oh, I, I know this one <laughs> which is um extremely obnoxious but he he um he indulged me and was like yeah yeah cool yeah Good, great to know so <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I, I I do wish I could have been you know on a on a literally in a galaxy far far away. But it was nice to spend one night at the Hollywood Bowl, getting a little little taste of that, which was pretty pretty darn cool. There's all sorts of different ways to experience Star Wars. You know, you don't have to go on a premium experience to have a delightful time with the galaxy far far away. That's the thing. Do you have a particular favorite like Star Wars music cue? Oh gosh, you know. Um... I mean, I always like the Force theme, but one that I really just loved um, in the sequel trilogy was Ray's theme. <gasps> Me too. I, yeah, Ray's theme I think is just like beautiful, and I thought it was just like so like kind of a lovely piece where it was just like you know kind of an introduction to the character. But I just always thought that that was sort of like a wonderfully beautiful piece of music. That was one of my favorite things from the sequel trilogy is when I was watching The Force Awakens, you know, a lot of it feels very, very similar. It's a lot of the similar music cues. You see like a lot of the same, you know, kind of camera tricks, like the the wipes and everything. And so to make it feel like Star Wars, but Ray's theme was something where I was like, oh, this feels new and beautiful and fresh, but also feels like Star Wars. I was really delighted by that in particular. Yeah, I really, I really loved that one as well. Um, And that was the one that really has stuck out for me. I do love this. And this is just a replay of um, the actual theme was like in that scene in the last jedi where ray and kylo like physically touched through the force bond and then the force theme kind of kicked like i like i thought that was like i mean he's a master he knows so much <laughs> like you know, he's the goat I'm, he's the greatest yeah, of all time. i'm always just i'm always just amazed how i mean and, and again as someone who just cannot have has no idea how like a musician's brain thinks or works i've always just had such deep admiration for people who can do that kind of stuff like, what is your brain like? Like, does that just like, do you wake up like that? <laughs> like, how does that work? Right. Like a lot of composers, they get lucky if they write one really good yeah. film or like one yeah. really good film. And then like, you got John Williams, who's like, I, I wrote all of them. <laughs> and it's funny because it's like, even like, you know, so many of him are, his are famous from the 70s and the 80s. And then like, Harry Potter just knocked that one right out. <laughs> like, you're like He's still doing it. You know, he's still writing. You know, he was just last week recording an Indiana Jones stuff. So he he made a yeah. joke. He's like, well, if you guys are going to be this nice to me on my 90th birthday, I'll, I'll, I'll see you in 10 years. We'll do a big 100 year celebration. So I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll be there if, if he is. So God bless the man. You know, hopefully it does work. A total legend. So, well, we both had very, very Star Wars weeks. Yeah, we did. I will admit when I came home from, uh, I came home on Thursday and I was so tired. Like I passed out Thursday night because I was so tired. I was just like, I was trying to put my kids to bed and I literally just fell asleep on her bed. And my dad and my husband was like, oh, mommy's tired. I'll take over <laughs> from here. So it was fun. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, sometimes you go on a vacation to relax and sometimes yeah. you go on a vacation to yeah. do stuff. It- it wasn't the beach vacation I was intending to have last week. One of my big tips is before you start, if you go to the Galactic Star Cruise, make sure you're rested up because I stupidly, like we got to um, Florida on Monday and I like a lunatic ran around the Magic Kingdom till 11 p.m. at night and then went and ran around Epcot Tuesday morning. So by the time I got to the Star Cruise, and it was really hot in Florida too and I do not do well in the heat. So next time I would probably suggest Maybe just spend the morning at the pool or something like that. Don't, you know, don't do anything too nutty while you're there. Perhaps make this the beginning of your trip down to uh, Disney World and not the sort of middle of it. 
rest up for your galactic adventure. It does truly sound like an adventure. Yeah, it was an adventure. Yeah, that is so you will rest it for it. <laughs> that is so magical. Yeah, I'm sure you'll 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 get to experience this though. One of these days, doubt. I'm I you know even if I have to you know shell out the money myself and just like go <laughs> by myself and be like I'm I'm just gonna have my little adventure you know go on, <laughs> go on the Star Cruiser by myself. But no, I I think we should we should take a, a Dagobah dispatch field trip and yeah you know, we'll, we'll do something at some point. Well, stay tuned to EW.com to read all of Lauren's coverage and her recap of that whole experience. And we've got more Star Wars coming to you up next. We're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, you can hear my interview with yet another and. Or cast member. This time we'll be talking to Adria Arjona about joining a galaxy far, far away. So stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To start, give me a little bit of background as to take me back through the, like, the casting process and, and what, tell me a little bit about how you got involved in this. I got involved sort of in the in the normal casting process i i sent it a tape and then i was in i think I, I was in paris and and they called me and they were like you they want you to go in and and test for and or in london but it was right when like covid started happening and no one really knew what was going on and i remember calling my mom and i was like mom should i go do i wait for this whole covid thing to be done because it'll be done in a week you know that's obviously what we all thought um and she's she just she's like you have to you have to go you're a swan you could swim in a lake of shit and not get stained let the force be with you my daughter and i was like okay she hung up the phone on me which has never happened in my entire life you know moms don't hang up the phone you hang up the phone on moms because they don't stop talking um and i sort of gone a train i went to london and i did the i did the audition i did it with diego we only did it once and i was like oh my god it came all this way and i only did it once i obviously sucked i didn't get the job you know he didn't work with me or anything and tony just sort of looked at me and goes all right so welcome to star wars <laughs> and i was it all happened within like 10 minutes and then we go outside and he looks at diego he's like hey diego meet your new co-star Adria, me, your new co-star, Diego. And it was one of those moments that you're like, is this happening? The casting director is having a heart attack. She's like, this is not the way that it's supposed to go. And it really isn't for the credit of my performance in that audition really is to, to Tony and who he is as a leader and, and, and um, as a creator, he knows what he wants and is very, very spot on. And that comes with costume, with um, production design with art department, with every single tiny element with story. Um, it also happens with casting. So that was a really, that's a story I would never forget. Just welcome to star Wars. It's, it's Just, a done deal. He's like, welcome to star Wars. And like no process at all. You know, you usually have to go through the casting director, the casting director goes to your managers and then your manager's going to, and then it's a whole, and you find out within two weeks, you know, whether you got the job. And I found out within seconds and, that was, I'm like, thank you so much. I would have been having a heart attack for two weeks, whether I got it or not. So that was, that was really special. That makes it easier. Absolutely. And Bix is a really interesting character. She's very capable and she can sort of take care of herself, but she's also got this kind of warmth and this heart to her. What interested you the most about, about playing her? I think, um, yeah, I think Bix has this sort of facade of this like really strong, powerful, um, fearless 
woman, which she is, that doesn't negate that she isn't. I also do think that she has this incredible caring side is that is sometimes detrimental to her own well-being. And that dynamic between her was really interesting for me and interesting to play. You know, I think she has everything sort of put together by the book. If you look at her, you're like, oh, she knows what she's doing. Yet she gets in tricky situations sometimes. Yeah. And I love the relationship between her and Cassian, which we see sort of in those first couple episodes. Tell me a little bit about, you know, being with Diego on this and and sort of sharing the screen with him. Uh, He's an incredible scene partner and an incredible just partner in general. He's a director. He's also been part of this world for so long and has lived in this, in this character and understands this character so much. And he's also one of our producers. So all of that really came into play of like, he was just an open book to me in a way. And he, I asked him so many questions and he was so eager to share information and he was always so communicative and helpful with scenes and just an incredible person to truly work with. And he's incredibly nice. You're like, cow, that's not fair. Too many good things. You got to have a flaw somewhere. And, you know, you talked about, you know, like the, the production design on this is like so beautiful. Tell me, and I know you guys did a lot of like practical sets and, and filming on location and things. Tell me a little bit about like walking onto some of those sets and, and just being in that space. Well, being, I mean, Ferrix kind of exists, right? It's a, it's an actual city. They build a city where we can walk around, where the camera can turn around anywhere. It was pretty, it was filmable 360. Um, every, any drawer that you would open, it was there was something in it. Every bar that you would go in, any restaurant, it was it was just it was kind of impactful to walk in. Especially that was my first set that I walked in, um, and I just remember telling myself, "Like, oh, oh, I'm in Star Wars. I am really in Star Wars." Um, and it just sort of helped to have that be so tangible and so practical because you were in that world. You were actually in Ferrix. You weren't in a studio that they had a part of Ferrix. This was really Ferrix. Um, and, and it was, and it was incredible. It was, it was so helpful, I think, to the performance and to the show itself. Yeah. Did you have a particular, a particular day on set where you like really geeked out or you really got that sense of like, oh, this, this is Star Wars. Like this is, you know, I'm in a galaxy far, far away. Oh yeah. I remember there was like this scene where I was running and there was like two or three like um creature actors. They were like the and I remember walking and you saw it on camera too. And I was like, oh because I hadn't seen them. They weren't there in rehearsal and then they sort of because there were so many people and it was COVID time, so they sort of like we rehearsed without it and then everybody would go outside and sort of um, there was so many extras. So then they would put the extras and I would run past. There was like a time where I run past and I just geeked out. I was like, oh my God. Because, <laughs> you know, they're the stars of the, you know, they're the true, the true stars on set. You know, it's not me. It's definitely them. And everyone's geeking out about them. The crew, the director himself is like, oh my God, this is so cool. Um, so yeah, I remember. And then he called, obviously he called the cut and he's like, can we not be so surprised? And I go, no, I know, but can you warn me? <laughs> can you show me pictures before? This is so, this is so amazing. This is so freaking cool. Um, so I had that moment. I, I had other moments that I definitely geeked out um, where I got like my iPad for the first time. I was like, oh, what is this? And I just kept pressing buttons everywhere. And it was hard for me to focus sometimes you're just living in like my inner child was at its peak. You know, I felt like I was in Disney world. Yeah. I feel like it's the ultimate like wish fulfillment of like uh, playing pretend, like being in the yeah. set, like you're in this giant, you know, it really feels like you're in another galaxy. Yeah. It, it, it really does. Uh, that's the best. And, you know, when you think back to this whole filming process, what would you say was maybe your most memorable day on set? There was a couple and I don't want to give too much away, but um I have to go with the first day on, on set. The first day on set was pretty, was pretty special. I was so nervous and scared and excited. And I almost wanted it to end, but I'd never wanted it to end at the same time. And, and I just really held on to Diego and, and he sort of helped me through it. Yeah, I imagine he'd be a good guy. You know, he's no stranger to the Star Wars universe. No, not at all. He's, he's 
like I said, he's a remarkable scene partner. So he, he really, under, he understood because he was me when he did Rogue One, you know? Um, so he was, it was, it was cute. I was like an 11 year old girl just going, ah! <laughs> That's the best. And I'm curious, you know, like this whole process, was there anything that surprised you or that you weren't expecting? That I wasn't expecting. Um, yeah, I think I wasn't expecting the transparency in which I think Tony Gilroy works. I think I was expecting a really secretive world that you would never really know what your character was going to do or you you sort of got scripts on the day. So I was very, very prepared, but also really scared because I was like, I never really know what I'm going to do. And it ended up not being the case at all. I always knew exactly what I was doing. I, I knew it in rehearsals. I knew it way before we even started filming. Five months before we even started filming, I was having conversations with Tony and he was telling me exactly what my character was going to go through. And he's already starting to do that um, even now. Um, and it's just, it's just really exciting and, and, and really fun to work with someone that is, is giving you information because information gives you power. It gives you power on set and, and it gives you autonomy on your own character. Sometimes not knowing and that secrecy can sort of be detrimental to the actors and he does not. He's old school. He's like, I don't know. look, I trust you. We're in this together. We're a family. You're obviously not going to spoil it for fans. And I would never do that. At the contrary, all I want to do is protect the experience of the fans. Um, so that was really surprising and, and amazing. I, 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 I think he's, I think he's brilliant. He knows what he's doing. That's interesting. Cause you think of him as being somebody who he writes a lot about spies and secrets and, you know, kind of that vibe. So I love that he's somebody who's like very open about things and sort of, you know, yeah. Helps and out. he shares and he shares every, I mean, he's told me things way before this whole prep, like he knows he's informing me even before my own team is informing me. And he really likes to keep people in the loop and, and, and make people feel part of the show. That makes a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah, it really does. All right, great. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with me. And I cannot wait to see the rest of the show. Thank you so much. I know me neither. That was my interview with Adria Arjona, star of Andor on Disney+. And that's our show. Thank you all so much for joining us as we talked about John Williams and the Galactic Star Cruiser and Andor. And uh, yeah, Lauren, we're glad to have you back. But I'm sure you're you're missing uh, the Star Cruiser. <laughs> I'm, missing, I'm missing the food, definitely. But I'm glad to be home. That's fair. Absolutely. Well, we're glad to have you back. And thank you all so much for listening. And that's it for this episode of Dagobah Dispatch. If you liked what you heard, follow, rate the podcast, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. To keep the conversation going, follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials, at EW on Twitter, and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag us at, at Dalton Ross, at Devin Kogan, and at Morglar. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>